Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Drive for Show, DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Happy to be with you talking golf for another week here. And a really fun tournament we've got on tap this week. So should be a lot of fun here uh, as we go through this tournament here over the next 45 minutes or so. We'll do our weekly snake draft. Uh, That's become kind of a thing here over the last couple of months. Dan Kramer just keeps on chugging. Uh, Noto passed me for the final cash spot last week. That was a little tilting. I still haven't gotten on the board, so we need to get that uh, changed around this week. But should be a lot of fun here with the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Of course, I am Justin Van Zuden, STL Cardinals 84. The aforementioned notorious Derek Farnsworth is alongside uh, Noto. What's going on? How are you? Yeah, doing good. I uh, got the first outright of the year out of the way uh, with Chris Kirk, and I believe he was on my snake draft team too. And uh, I beat you by less than ten points. So uh, if you wouldn't have won, I think you would have you would have passed me and uh, got your first taste of some money in the snake draft. Well, I was in the lead for a lot of the week, and I had Justin Saw on mine, and then he was you know up there and uh, just uh, you know couldn't quite pull it out on Sunday. Still ended up in a tie for fifth, but uh, he faded a bit there on the weekend and. I mean, but what even was this leaderboard? Like, okay, Kirk and Lowry, yeah, we expected it. But Eric Cole and Tyler Duncan, we had a Monday qualifier, and Ryan Garrard in the top five. Ben Martin showing up on a leaderboard for the first time in like 10 years. Sepp Straka back up there. Dylan Lingworth for the first time in about 10 years. Zach Johnson inside the top 15. Like, obviously we expected that, stuff like that, and we said that last week. You know, don't be afraid to take some chances, but uh, – what a weird tournament. Yeah, weird tournament. Uh, the field obviously wasn't great, but, uh, yeah, you mentioned a lot of those names. I mean, Cam Percy, Jim Herman, a couple old guys getting in there. Uh, Zach Johnson. Like a Champions Tour leaderboard. Oh, but, uh, hey, uh, it was uh, it was actually a fun watch. I actually enjoyed the tournament quite a bit. Obviously, having a sweat on Sunday, you know, helps in that regard. But uh, I like that course, man. It's challenging. Uh, sets up for a pretty dramatic finish. Um, I kind of look like Eric Cole is going to run away with it. Uh, after he got the lead and then uh you know kirk just hung around and uh, how about that line he took uh, on 18 in regulation 
Yeah, pretty incredible. I mean, it, it, just the, the risk-reward nature of that course, and uh, we're going to see some of that again this week as well. You know, it's just uh, uh, really interesting to see how the guys approach it when you've got a tournament that requires a little bit more strategy than just uh, chucking irons right at the pins uh, that we see in so many tournaments. And now we're going to get to see uh, challenging courses two weeks in a row. And I think that, that just makes it really interesting when you get a, a, a close competitive uh, battle for the win down the stretch like we had last week. Yep. Uh, my only other takeaway, Eric Cole, uh, he was, you know, really impressive. Um, you know, he made a couple bad swings on the front nine and uh, just continued to, to get after it, made a big bogey save after he hit in the water, uh, made a bunch of putts. And uh, I think I read that his last win was on a mini tour event for like 1200 bucks, a couple miles away from the Honda. Um, and he made like oh, he made a little more than that last 900,000 uh, last week. So love hearing those stories. Uh, and it's kind of nice to get a break you know, from the designated events just to see some of these other younger guys get their chance. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely excited for, for a better field this week. Yeah. I mean, tough to take a ton of things away from a field with the field strength that we had last week, other than, you know, it's a nice break uh, for the guys that uh, were able to, to manage a top finish and uh, you know, field strength or not guys that are winning, uh, you know, 900,000, uh, this can be life-changing for some of these guys that have struggled to make it in the pro tours. And, uh, for all the, you know, bemoaning that I, I did on the show about the weak strength of the field, uh, it certainly pays off for those guys that can parlay that into a good week. So nice for guys like Cole, um, and the, you know, the Cena Monday qualifier in the mix there, that's always pretty cool. Uh, and it makes for some good storylines. So, uh, anything else from last week uh, to take away other than time to move on? <laughs> yeah, time to move on. But uh, one other note, I think I did notice something uh, while I was doing my showdown content. Kyle Stanley was like third in ball striking heading into the final round, and he was like T74. <laughs> uh, he had like minus nine strokes putting, something like that. Um, ended up uh, gaining strokes putting in his final round. Um, ended up moving up to T60. But uh yeah, guys like that. They're uh, team no putt. It, it's tough out there when uh, when they're losing four strokes around. And it's remarkable how often he does it these days. It's just uh, it's it's almost every tournament. I mean, it's not uh, not even a mini aberration at this point with him. But uh, all right, let's turn our focus to a new week uh, because we've got uh, lots to talk about this week with the Arnold Palmer Invitational as I kind of hinted at another difficult course. Uh, and this one is a par 72 course that often plays a stroke or two over par. And now you throw in this week, they're already calling for 20 mile an hour wins the first day, like 35 mile an hour wins the second day, 20 mile an hour wins again, the third day. And, you know, you have a course, I think there was a round last year where the winds were gusting pretty high that it averaged about three strokes over par, which is just unheard of for a par 72 course. So, uh, you know, Bay Hill is no slouch. And what do we make of uh, this week's venue and uh, and the weather forecast? Yeah, I think we're going to see a single digit uh, under par winner again. We've seen that two of the last four years. Scheffler won a minus five, Hatton won a minus four. And uh, yeah, that wind, it looks pretty brutal. So uh, definitely going to be a week where you want to save your you know roster construction until Wednesday night especially for the Friday guys, because uh, if it does look a little less windy in the morning on Friday, you definitely want to take advantage of that. So uh, I probably won't be finalizing my main lineup and my MME player pool until we uh, you know, see tee times and see the updated forecast on Wednesday. 
we mentioned it's a tough golf course. It's been in the top 10 in difficulty each of the last four years. The par four is extremely difficult. Um, they did widen the fairways here a couple of years ago, and they kind of cut down the rough in front of the water hazards and the bunkers. So uh, it kind of gives golfers more space off the tee, but makes it um, a little riskier if you do want to hit driver. Um, you know, hazards are more on play off the tee now than they ever have been. And uh, with all the water, you know, ups the variance. We talked about it last week. Uh, you're going to see guys that are right around the cut line that uh, could easily finish four or five off the cut line uh, based on what they do the last couple of holes. You know, 18 is always a fun hole uh, with the water in play. So, yeah, it should be a fun course. I think you got to be solid all around. I think, uh, you know, Florida experience doesn't hurt. Difficult golf courses, experience on those doesn't hurt. Major-like type of uh, type of course that we have this week. Should be a fun one. Yeah, and you mentioned – you know, that it always ranks in the top in terms of difficulty. And that's, you know, again, being a par 72, when you take into account difficulty in relation to par, I'd be willing to bet that most of the other courses that are in that top 10 in terms of difficulty are par 70s, uh, just because you don't have the par fives to attack. But here, even though you've got the par fives, still a really tough golf course. Uh, and, it's you know, with the wind, this is a course where generally, you know, distance can help. Um, but you know, maybe placement is more important this week with the wind. Uh, but on the other hand, you're going to want shorter irons coming in to some of these holes where, uh, you know, other guys will, will have longer irons or, or, or fairway metals. So uh, what do you make in terms of prioritizing distance uh, when you factor in the fact that it, it should be pretty gusty this week? Yeah, that and uh, typically this course is really firm and really fast. So the shorter hitters can get it out there a little bit more if they are accurate. Um, they typically grow up the rough, too. But uh, this is the event where, uh, you know, Bryson almost drove the par five and then, uh, you know, <laughs> did the, the double number one. Uh, that was a, that was a pretty fun um, a couple minutes there. I think Rory tried to do it too, and he ended up hitting the water. But, uh, yeah, I'm not that prioritizing distance too much. I think total driving is probably your best bet. Um, Going to be a lot of long irons for pretty much all these guys because, you know, some of the holes required some, some uh, you know, layups off the tee anyway. Yeah, combination of distance and accuracy there with the total driving, I think, makes sense to me as well. Uh, well we have almost all of the top guys on tour these days. Uh, pretty much everybody, uh, I think I read earlier, everybody that got the uh, the, the PIP money uh, last year, except for Tiger. Everybody, all the others are in this field. So uh, what do we uh, want to do as far as the top range goes? A little bit of softer pricing again this week on DraftKings. Just three guys above 10K with Rom. Obviously, the way he's been playing. Scheffler, defending champ, uh, you know, got back to his winning ways a couple weeks ago. Rory, uh, really good worldwide form over the last six months. So uh, those are your three top guys. But there's a lot of high upside guys in the 9K range. So uh, do we need to prioritize one of the top trio here on DraftKings this week? Kind of feels like you need to. Uh, we've just seen so many of the favorites win these events, and uh, it's hard to go away from any of those three. I think Rory's going to be my favorite. I'm surprised he's not more expensive than Scheffler, especially since uh, he typically plays this event every year, typically plays well here every year. Five straight top hit a lot, obviously. I think he lives in Jupiter. Um, but Scheffler, again here, one year last year, and then you know, Rom just uh, – he's a freight train right now. I don't think he can be stopped. Uh, his last nine starts, he's got five wins and nothing outside the top ten. So I'm not going to say anything bad about any of them. I prefer Rory. I'll have exposure to all three in my MME pool. But, yeah, do you have any stronger takes than I? Uh, 
No, I'm kind of with you like Rory as well. You mentioned the five last five years, first, sixth, fifth, 10th, 13th, 51 strokes gained over field average. Uh, and these, you know, tough, longer tracks uh, just benefit his style of game. So like you, it's just hard to say anything bad about Rom, uh, but it does hamstring the rest of your lineup build with his salary being, you know, that much higher, though he deserves it based on the way he's been playing. Uh, I think McElroy, Rom, Scheffler is the way I'll rank him, but, uh, you know, I'm always tend to be a little bit lower on Scheffler and uh, burned me a couple weeks ago. So the old, you can't play everyone theory, uh, definitely intact, but uh, that's how I'll rank them. No strong takes though. And certainly I'll do some lineups where you start in the nine Ks. Uh, but what's interesting there is, you know, if you go down, Thomas hasn't played here. Uh, Morikawa's only played here twice. You know, Zalator is 10th and 38th. Finau miscut in his only trip. Uh, Cantlay hasn't played here. So, you know, maybe more people will prioritize the 10 K range. If you want to look at course history and, you know, form obviously, uh, because the 9K range doesn't offer that much in terms of, of course history. So, but obviously talented golfers that are capable of winning. I mean, we've seen what Zalatoris does on tougher tracks. We know Finau, Shoffley, Cantley, those guys all have the upside. So uh, what do we make of the 9Ks here? Yeah, I should have noted in the in the preview that uh, Data Golf has this as the fourth most predictive course history course uh, on the PJ Tour. So Definitely a week where you do want to look at guys that have played well here in the past. But uh, I think JT played here just a long time ago, um, just not in the last five years, because I do have you know some result for him. I can't remember where he finished, but uh, he's won twice in Florida, won the players, also won the Honda. And I just think any kind of Florida experience, you know, really pays off because a lot of the courses are similar in terms of, you know, their trouble and all that. So I like JT. I like him as an outright at like 25 to one. You're getting him at a pretty good price here. Doesn't look like the ownership's going to be too bad, 13% right now. Uh, so I like that. I like Homa. He just continues to play well. Typically, I would say, you know, fade him once he gets off the West Coast, but he's played here three times, three top 25s. So I'll go back to Homa. Uh, everybody's going to play Zalatoris. It's hard not to like him. Coming off of uh, a really good finish the last time we saw him. And then I think it was a Riviera. And then, you know, obviously got the hard course narrative. So, yeah, uh, those guys are probably my favorite. Uh, Xander rates out the best of anyone in my model, but he doesn't really play Florida a lot. Neither does Cantlay. So, yeah, uh, I kind of like JT and uh, Zalatoris the most. In theory, if you were in a league where you got to pick, you know, uh, like a sort of like a one and done league, but basically going for guys that have the most upside. And let's say, again, in theory, everybody were to start the same amount of tournaments every year. And you had to pick one guy to ride as your kind of earnings player all year long. Where would Max Homa rank on that list for you? Basically in terms of overall upside on the PGA Tour, because I don't feel like he gets the same amount of publicity as guys like JT and Finau and obviously Rory and Rom. And I'm not saying he's on the level with, you know, those couple of guys. But I mean, is he a top six guy? Is he a top eight guy? Like where does Homa rank in the grand scheme of? PJ tour guys these days yeah i mean that's a great question and at the start of the year i'd probably have him a lot lower than i do now um you know i know that's easy to say after he's been playing so well picked up a win and, uh, and then we saw him you know finish second the last time out so he's certainly moving up that rank i think the next thing he needs to prove is at the majors he hasn't really done anything at any of the majors yet but uh, it seems like he has the game for it doesn't really have a weakness he seems like you know he has the you know the confidence to do it now so 
I'm excited to see what he could do. I'd probably put him in the top six or seven um, right now moving forward. Yeah, kind of around. I mean, he's priced fourth highest this week, so uh, probably in that range. But I, uh, it just doesn't seem to get the publicity of some of those other guys. Uh, grades out fairly well in terms of our overall projections this week also. He's kind of right there with the fourth, fifth, sixth highest guys. So uh, I think you can absolutely start some lineups with this uh, kind of range. Uh, Zalatoris, if that, I, I generally always play Zalatoris on all the hard courses, but if he is going to be 25% owned, I just don't think there's that much separating. You know, we've got Finau projected two points higher and at a third of the ownership. So I like Zalatoris. I'm a Zalatoris guy, but I think pivoting to Thomas, pivoting to Finau, you know, can't lay any of these guys. I think, uh, I just think that anybody in this 9K range that's going to be over owned is probably, I, I don't think there's enough separating them. So, Give me the guys that are going to be lower owned. And for now, I think it'd be Thomas and, and Fina. I'm happy to kind of let ownership uh, dictate how I want to handle the tournament builds here in this range. Yeah. And a uh, question from Dan Kramer, the uh, snake draft legend of the forecast. Hole. Why is he asking this question? He doesn't have to ask us any questions. He beats yeah, we us should every be week. Asking. We should be asking him. Um, <laughs> how chalky is the late early tea time is going to be? And for me, I think that comes down to, you know, what type of uh, contest you're playing in. Generally, in the, the large field stuff, it'll be you know a little bit different. You'll see a little bit more weight towards the late early guys if they do have the better draw. But in single entry, especially high dollar stuff, you're going to see some uh, full stacks uh, late early, uh, I would think. So um, that's kind of my thoughts on it. What about you? Yeah, I mean, it, it'll, you know, wait and see what the forecast looks like on Wednesday before I <laughs> really make a determination on how I think the masses will handle that. But uh, it, we've kind of mentioned over the years, people tend to overreact to that um, for better or worse. I mean, I'm kind of one of them too, that has done that over the years. So it, it, if, uh, if it shows an advantage, I mean, I certainly will play it because this is a course that's tough uh, even when you don't throw the win factor in, but historical data tends to show that, uh, you know, we tend to overreact to it. So if you're one that just wants to play it straight, I understand. But I think making some stacks, particularly if you're building multiple lineups, is, you know, you, you got to at least uh, cover that possibility if it looks like there's going to be a big advantage. So uh, we'll, tough to tough to decipher that kind of uh, lean on, on Monday, uh, but definitely something that we'll be monitoring over the next couple of days. And, and we'll put it in on put our thoughts in that in our written content, which you can access over at Roto grinders. If you're a premium subscriber, uh, check us out over at, uh, at the site there, rotogrinders.com. Uh, all right. Um, anything else on the nine K's for you before we dip down a little lower? Uh, do you have any takes on Hovland? He's a guy that he's been playing pretty well. Did have a second place finish here last year, but we're always worried about a short game. And if it gets windy and everybody's missing greens, um, that's that's not when I want to target him. Yeah, I mean, he did tie for second last year, which was his best finish here by a pretty wide margin. Um, I, I don't know. I, I do worry about him in the weather. Uh, I think he's probably, he's probably behind the others in the 9K range for me. And... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know. I don't feel I don't feel that horribly about it. Talented guy, but I worry about the conditions and the course. What about uh, Morikawa? Maybe he can find a glove that finally fits him. <laughs> I, assume, well, I assume you haven't watched the Netflix show yet. No, I haven't. Uh, but you were kind of mentioning it last week that he came off as the unlikable guy of the bunch. Just, um, all right. He was, he was paired up with Tony Finau, uh, so it was kind of just like – I don't know. Tofino's just got this big family and it's all about giving back and all the stuff. And I don't know. I think it was just kind of, kind of uh, unfair the way they portrayed. Yeah. Morikawa. Yeah. I maybe, mean, maybe that's another thing is. you gotta, you gotta realize that editing can do wonders for how something comes across. Yeah. Um, but again, I haven't seen it, so I won't pass judgment, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, if I'm going for one of the poor putter, like it's the chipping from Hovland that worries me a, a little bit. So, yeah, give me Zalato or give me uh, Morikawa over over Hovland if I'm choosing between the guys that sometimes struggle to putt. All right, let's move into the AKs. Uh, Sungjae coming off a, a surprisingly quiet week. Uh, we had Kirk and Lowry. The other top end guys played well last week. Sungjae, I think, finished, I don't know, 42nd or something like that. Uh, Fitzpatrick, Cam Young, Jordan Spieth, Jason Day, uh, who's been fantastic. I mean, uh, as much as I joked around with Noto about Jason Day's little resurgence, uh, Noto has kind of been proven right uh, on that here over the last couple months. So Day keeps playing well. Uh, feels like a relative discount on him the way he's been playing, but also going to be pretty chalky. Uh, Hatton going to be pretty popular in here. Got Sam Burns and Keith Mitchell at the low end of the 8K range. Seems like they're going to soak up double-digit ownership again this week. So this group does feel like a little bit of a step down from the 9Ks, but – uh, then again, if you've been riding that Jason Day train all winter, uh, then that's probably the first guy you're you're looking at here. So uh, what are your thoughts on the AKs? Yeah, I really like this range. I think in my main build, I'll probably start in the 10Ks and then dip down to the 8s, maybe take two or three of them. Um, that does skip over Zalatoris, so maybe that gives you uh, a more unique roster construction. But you mentioned Jason Day, uh, last nine starts, he's T21 or better in eight of them. He's coming off of three straight top tens. And if you remember, this is the event where he withdrew and then went to Disneyland World with his family the very next day, um, even though he was dealing with a back injury and that uh, blew up all over social media. So, uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe some redemption uh, for Jason Day there. Hatton, uh, I think he won this event. Let's see. Yeah, won it in 2020 and then second here last year. A guy that likes difficult conditions, although he can blow up at times, but it's typically just on courses that he doesn't like, and he obviously likes this one. So I like Haddon. I like Day. I like Sungjae. Um, I think if he would have played better last week, he would be more expensive. He would be higher owned. So just take the discount. Two third-place finishes here. He's four for four. And then I like Matt Fitzpatrick. The irons have been really bad. He's lost on approach in seven straight but this was always the uh, the course that we had picked out that it was going to be his first win on the PGA Tour. He's talked about how much he loves it. Four straight top tens here. I think he's a better golfer now than he was, uh, you know, earlier in his PGA Tour career. So I like those four quite a bit. 
they're all going to be fairly chalky, but nobody over 20%. So I feel like I can uh, play them and then, you know, sort of differentiate elsewhere. Yeah, those calls, I, I don't mind. I like Hatton a good bit. Um, probably, you know, not going to to play. I'm not definitely not going to have as much exposure, I think, to this range compared to you. I think I maybe like the 9Ks a little bit better, and you like the 8Ks a little bit better, but not a strong lean. I, I do like Fitzpatrick a good bit. Um, you mentioned the, the course fit, uh, 9th, 10th, 9th, 2nd for him here the last four years at this tournament. So I think this is a nice bounce back potential spot for him. Uh, and I think maybe that ownership will come in slightly lower. It all depends, though. The course history truthers uh, will will play him. Uh, the the recent form truthers, you know, kind of won't. But uh, he's my favorite in this range. Uh, but I, I overall probably won't have as much exposure to the 8K range compared to you. Uh, Burns has been pretty chalky pretty much every time he's teed it up. The form has been, you know, kind of hit or miss for him. Uh, lately, just, I don't know. It seems like he still gets a little bit, uh, too much steam uh, based on the way that, uh, that he's been playing. I mean, if you look at his stats, uh, over the last 36 rounds, he's 103rd in this field in approach. Um, you know, I, again, if I'm taking somebody that's struggled on approach lately, I think, uh, I'll just take Fitzpatrick and Burns has just really struggled with the ball striking. He's 64th off the tee. Uh, if you're struggling there, it just, you're not going to be able to hide it at this course. So, uh, I don't know. I think Burns is the fade for me this week. Uh, any other thoughts on this range for you? Yeah, I agree with Burns. Uh, they do call him Bermuda Burns for a reason. So maybe, you know, you can, uh, see some upside there, but yeah, the approach play has been off. The approach play has been off for, uh, Hideki too. I mean, over the last 12 months, he's 47th in the field over the last eight months, he's 62nd in the field in the strokes gained approach, a guy that, we typically think of as a top 10 iron player in the world. Uh, I know he's going to be low owned, but that worries me. Uh, what about a couple other young guys, Cam Young, Tom Kim, uh, any interest in them? Yeah, I think both are pretty interesting because people will tend to go with the course history and the, the veterans a little bit more this week. Um, let's see. So I was looking through the stats. So Cam Young, another guy that, uh, lately has struggled a bit, but his has mainly been the short game. So if you want to bank on, you know, a little bit of variance there, we know he's plenty long off the tee. Um, Tom Kim, maybe a little bit more well-rounded. Uh, I think in tough conditions, I, I think I'd give Kim the edge if choosing between the two. Yeah. He's, he kind of seems like a guy that's just going to hit a lot of fairways and greens. And when you're talking about a winning score, that's going to be single digit par. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Him. I mean, maybe somebody that's just kind of hanging around all week, even par one under and you don't really notice. And then all of a sudden he's in the mix. Yeah. We've talked about him at the players. Uh, we kind of think that's a good course fit. And I think this is very similar course. So uh, yeah. Uh, Brian in the chat to speed or not to speed. That is a question. Uh, I already know your answer and uh, <laughs> I'll go with not to speed as well. Yeah. No speed for me this week. Uh, Horschel, another guy, boy, I was really tilting last week when Horschel got off to a good start. Uh, I was like, he was the total fade. Uh, thankfully he didn't play very well after that did fade to a T 42. Uh, but he finished tied for second at this event last year. And we've talked about, you know, he plays better in Florida, but, uh, he's kind of headlining the top end of the seven K range along with Shane Lowry, who did finally find some form last week. Uh, you've got Connors Fowler, uh, Kirk last week's winner. You know, Scott, Rose, Keegan Bradley, like these are guys that everybody who played last week was like over 9,000. 
uh, 10,000 even for a few of them in this price range. And now they're in the sevens this week. So a little easier to stomach. Uh, you got Tommy Fleetwood in here as well. I mean, uh, Taylor Montgomery all the way down to 7,400, though he's finally seemed to hit a wall of late uh, with his play with the, uh, you know, the putting at least not being superhuman, more just slightly above, uh, you know, average level over the last few events after he was just on fire uh, for an extended period there. But guys like Minwoo Lee, Tom Hoagie, uh, Aaron Wise, like uh, it feels like you're getting a discount on these guys this week because they were so much more expensive a week ago or a couple weeks ago. So uh, what are we looking at in the 7K range here? And then we can uh, fire up our snake draft. Yeah, and uh, one note on the snake draft, uh, you know, our, our CEO, Dan Bach, uh, pointed out to us that the snake draft doesn't really play that well on the podcast uh, <laughs> version yeah, of we'll, the show. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you so. a clean exit for the uh, – <laughs> the podcast feed. So we'll get through the rest of the golfers here and not kind of talk about all of them during the draft. But those of you who are watching the podcast feed, we'll make sure we uh, give you an exit when we get through the golfers. And then we'll, we'll do the snake draft for those that are watching live or watching on YouTube. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, seven K range, no Horschel for me. I mean, T42 while losing five strokes, ball striking last week, we talked about the swing changes. I know this is Florida, but uh, no thanks there. I will be going back to Chris Kirk. Uh, we talked about him a lot last week. He had a uh, good finish to the players. He had good finish at this event last year. And uh, we know he doesn't drink anymore, so we don't have to worry about him, you know, just celebrating <laughs> all week and all that. Um, and everybody hates playing the guy that won the week before. So I think it's a pretty good spot for Chris Kirk. He projects as the best point per dollar guy in my model this week. You know, I'm playing Ricky Fowler. Uh, lives in Florida. Been playing a lot better lately. Plays this event every year. I'll be playing some Keegan Bradley. He's been very hit or miss recently, but he's talked about, um, you know, the, the weight loss being, you know, a big a big boost for him. He's talked about wanting to make the Ryder Cup this year, and uh, he's got back. He's to back. ten for ten the last ten, 10 years at this tournament. Back to back top elevens. I like Keegan. Um, the guy I don't know what to do with Shane Lowry. Really want to play him. He's gained seventeen strokes tee of green the last two weeks. But for whatever reason, he hasn't figured this course out. 0 for 4 here in his career. So are you buying into that? Or I, th I, I think I'll play a little bit of him. I, yeah. it, it's more of a gut thing, you know, because I, I generally do abide by the course history here as well. But uh, he should have some confidence after last week. Uh, if it gets really windy, like he's the type of player that, uh, that can thrive in chaos. So particularly if he ends up on the good side of the draw, uh, probably a guy that I, I think I'll end up being overweight on a good bit this week. Yeah, I think so too. It uh, doesn't feel great, but I think the course history is just going to keep that ownership down enough. Yeah. And then I like Tommy Fleetwood a lot. You know, last time we saw him was T20 at Riv. Um, and he's been great here. He's been great in Florida. He almost won Honda that one year. So Fleetwood's one of my favorite uh, plays as well. A couple guys that the chat's asking about. Um, Aaron says Adam Scott week. I don't really understand the infatuation with Scott. Um, just not a lot in his numbers that I like. He used to be a great ball striker. Now he's getting a lot of it done with the putter. I get it. Um, he does tend to play, you know, these classical courses a little bit better. And then uh, Dan's asking about Brian Harmon. He just, uh, man, he just hasn't been very good recently. It doesn't rate out that well for me, which is uh, a very, very shocking. Uh, usually the model loves him uh, each and every week. Uh, I would rather play Aaron Wise. I'd rather play... Minwoo Lee, a couple of the other, you know, European tour guys, but Zayden now it's got a pretty good record here. Yeah. Any thoughts on uh, any of those? Uh, blasphemy with uh, putting down Brian Harmon. He, he's going to, I'll have uh, some, I'm going to sure. throw, 
<laughs> he's gonna win now. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't mind sprinkling these guys in. Uh, Bazudenhout, uh, I think, is uh, is certainly interesting. Um, and, and these you're just getting low ownership on guys that uh, at least they don't feel gross to roster. Um, the one guy that kind of stood out in terms of point per dollar in our projections and a guy that I've tended to play at random times quite a bit is Ryan Fox, but I have no idea what he's been doing overseas. Three straight top twenties. Oh man. I'm going to be in on Ryan Fox, Um, (laughs) but he's never played here before. The projections though, he's got a sneaky good point per dollar opto rating. And yeah, you mentioned the three straight top twenties, obviously. And, uh, much uh, easier fields than what we see this week. But uh, look, $5 GPP or something, MME, uh, give me some some Ryan Fox as the YOLO sleeper at 1% ownership this week. Kavil, this is finally a week where you can actually talk about guys down here. Like, I can't remember the, the last time we've even felt okay about mentioning a guy in the the 6k range but now you got you know will gordon bramlett smalley brendan todd ben griffin like uh these are guys that we've you know talked about at least in recent weeks and they're down in the 6ks even in a week where we've only got 120 golfers in the field uh feels like you can maybe dip down here which uh, helps you get that rom or or rory at the top so uh, who else are you looking at here this week yeah pretty much the guys you mentioned i like will gordon i like alex smalley and that's pretty much it for me. Um, you can definitely take more chances this week. We didn't talk about it at the start, but only 120 golfers. So a little bit higher, six to six percentage, most likely. Um, that doesn't mean this is actually one of those weeks where having six to six isn't necessarily a must because it's not a birdie fest. You yeah. know, um, you're going to have the position placement points be worth Although, more. I Go will ahead. say. That right now they're projecting like, you know, 20 mile an hour wins the first day, 35 mile an hour wins the second day, 20 mile an hour wins the third day, and only like eight to 10 mile an hour wins the fourth day. So it's very possible that the Sunday scoring could be the best scoring day of the week. And therefore having six to six will become more important because people will actually be making birdies on Sunday compared to the other days. Now, whether that's, me galaxy brain overthinking it i don't know but uh that's just yeah. food for thought. i mean ideally you always want six of six but uh you'll get into some of these majors and uh you know, you'll go backwards um if you have six of six just because guys will move down the leader there was a year where somebody won the you know five hundred thousand entry millie maker or something in one of the majors i forget whether it was the british or the u.s open uh but had first second fourth fifth sixth and a miscut uh won the millie maker with uh five of six and with that so obviously you know having five of the top six golfers you know is is kind of an outlier but uh for what it's worth when when the conditions are tougher yeah it's less of a a big deal compared to when guys are shooting 25 under par yep all right should we uh send off the the podcast crew yeah, so uh, those of you who are just listening on audio only, we're going to move to our uh, snake draft now, which uh, if you want to listen with some dead air and uh, and you know screen sharing that you're not going to be able to see, feel free to continue listening on. Uh, otherwise, we will uh, bid you adieu for this week and hope that you tune back in next week. And, uh, of course, if you want to check us out uh, on the Roto-Grinders YouTube channel or on the videos page, 
uh, and watch the snake draft. You can also do that at a later time as well. So uh, those of you that are signing off, appreciate you checking us out. As always, check us out at rotogrinders.com. And uh, we'll see you back here next week. And for those of you who want to continue on, we will uh, move towards our snake draft uh, portion of the show.